Hi, Happy Hunters. We're your host, Molly. And Jonathan. Today, we are talking with Barbara Rossen, a therapist of 43 years. Barbara believes that happiness is when your thoughts, feelings, and actions are in harmony. She spends her life following what brings her joy, listening to her inner voice, and staying true to herself. A lot of people are not comfortable sharing the darker feelings. It's human expression. It's real. It lives there. And it's okay. We are super stoked to tell you about one of today's sponsors, Rising Springs. Sourced from a natural spring in Idaho, it is one of the purest waters on the planet. This is not just water. This is a natural mineral supplement, and we are in love. We are not bottled water people, and that's why we absolutely love Rising Springs. They are not a bottled water company. This mineral water is packaged in a 5-liter bag-in-a-box, and everything can be recycled or upcycled. For our Happy Hunter listeners, they're offering 50% off your first order. Go to risingspringsource.com and use the code ICONOCLASTICWELLNESS in all caps when you place your order. That's risingspringsource.com with code ICONOCLASTICWELLNESS, all caps, to get 50% off your first order. Today's interview is with Barbara Rossen, a risk taker, a friend, a therapist, a dreamer, and a go-getter. Barbara believes in following what feels good and changing what doesn't. She refuses to run from difficult situations and hard feelings and believes we must go deep to experience joy. Hi, Barbara. Thank you for joining us. We are so excited to have you on the show today. You have made some crazy life-changing choices that I find really inspiring. After 43 years of helping people as a therapist, you say that all we need is love. Being a huge Beatles fan myself, I love hearing that echoed. Yeah, that's where it all boils down to after 43 years. And I've been around the block a few times thinking it was one thing or the other, and it turns out all we need is love. All right, we're going to get right into it. You have gone down roads that many would look at as risky or crazy. You gave up your first career as a teacher without thinking about the effect it would have on your health benefits and retirement. You said yes to moving to San Francisco with a guy you met at a party in Detroit. You took a chance and started a private therapy practice. Then you left your private practice for seven years while you opened and ran a clothing and furniture store. What gave you the courage to make such drastic and life-changing choices? Were you Mm -hmm. scared? I don't know if it was courage. Actually, I think I was too young and stupid. I felt no fear. I just did it. Just went from one thing to the other. It was 1970 when I was a teacher. And what I noticed is that I was mostly talking to them about freedom. I was not, however, teaching them reading, writing, and arithmetic. And also the world was exploding at the time. And I did not want to be stuck in a small, confined school with a limited amount of people and a limited amount of experiences. So I just decided this isn't for me. I didn't, however, have another plan. Hmm. And at the time, it didn't even occur to me to consider health benefits or retirement. It seemed such a long way off. And I felt like I had such a long life ahead of me that it was not anything that I considered or worried about at the time. 
I just kind of went for it. And then I happened to be at a party and met this fellow and he was living in San Francisco at the time and was driving back the next day. And he asked me if I wanted to join him. I think I took about 10 seconds to say yes. Wow. Never been to, <laughs> yeah, never been to San Francisco before. Just thought that would be cool. Yeah. Remember it was 1970s. In San <laughs> right. Francisco. That was the place to be. Yeah, it was definitely the place to be. I think from that move, my life just kind of unfolded one step at a time. I did not have a long view at all. I did not know what my next career path was. I didn't even know what I was going to be doing for work in San Francisco, nor did I know any of the people that was living in the house that this guy was living in. I didn't know anybody except this guy, and I didn't know him either. I must have had a certain belief that things would just be okay. I just didn't doubt myself. Same was true with my career when I decided to become a therapist and leave community mental health. It was also a very constrained place to work and high stress for me. I didn't like people telling me what to do and when I had to be at work and when I could leave work. So I opened a private practice. What have you learned about making changes? How has this impacted how you make changes today? I think you just have to believe in yourself. I think you have to, especially if a thought or an idea or a desire comes to you often in your dreams or if you're just daydreaming about it. I think you have to pay attention to it and make those changes. And even if you have to make baby step changes, changes are good. If you have a dream, you should pursue your dream. You started your private therapy practice after experiencing major burnout and leaving your job in community health. Now, many people would take a week off when they start feeling burnt out. How did you know it was time to leave and not just take a vacation? I think I've always been a risk taker. It's just in my nature. It might even be genetic. My mother was a major risk taker. My mother was widowed at the age of 44 with three children. And her financial advisors told her that she needed to be very cautious about how she spent her money because she didn't have a career and money was somewhat limited. But my mother said no to that. What she did instead was, instead of living in a, in a moderate apartment with her kids, she bought a penthouse apartment. Not one, but two, broke down the walls and created this beautiful space for us to live in. She also started making investments in kind of high-risk real estate investments. And she was successful because she believed in herself. She wouldn't take no for an answer, and she wouldn't allow herself to be limited. And I think I'm sort of the same. I just go for it. When I look back, I guess that's what I did. Sometimes when I look back, I think, how the hell did I do that? You love your job and describe your work as effortless. You believe that being a therapist is in true harmony with your spirit. Some people struggle working jobs they don't enjoy, and many even struggle with not knowing what they want to do. You had many jobs before you found the one that clicked. You said, I was searching for the thing. Well, not really searching, because I knew if I kept myself wide open, something would present itself. How did you keep yourself wide open? How did you stay patient waiting for something to present itself? I just went from one thing to the other. Got to San Francisco. I got myself a job so I could pay my bill at Saks Fifth Avenue selling clothing. And then I just went on to the next thing and the next thing. And I got involved in things that were close to my heart and important to me. I got involved in a women's health collective. I started taking workshops at Esalen Institute in Big Sur, and I was turned on by it. And so I just kept following that feel, following that passion. I just kept at it. 
I didn't know that I wanted to do any of this kind of thing for my life, but the more I did it, the more I enjoyed doing it. I just followed that path. I was in therapy at the time. This was like in the early 70s. And my therapist mentioned to me that he thought I would be a very good therapist. That was the first time that even occurred to me that I might do that work. And when I discussed it with some people, they said, yeah, absolutely, because you already are. Mm. You already are the person that people come to to talk about their issues. It just seemed so natural for me. It didn't happen for a few years, actually. I had it in the back of my mind. I didn't go after it as soon as it was presented to me. I didn't rush and go after it. I just kind of let it brew for a while. And plus, I wasn't done being in San Francisco and <laughs> being free. A major source of your joy comes from the relationships with your close friends and especially your daughter. You said that you two have a deep and honest relationship, which sometimes means it's difficult. But there is joy in the difficult. What do you mean by that? I don't particularly enjoy the difficult. Well, here's what I mean by that. You have to go deep. And in going deep, you get in touch with some feelings that you might not enjoy. The level of intimacy equals the level of depth of a relationship, in my opinion. To be on the surface with things doesn't allow you to have true intimacy. For instance, my daughter and I, we get into it sometimes. I get mad, she gets mad. <laughs> we, we might not even talk for a couple of days, but we always work through it. And we always try to figure out where the source is, what the problem really is. Sometimes people find that they're fighting about the same thing over and over again, or it's the way they fight because they can't get to the, to the issue because people try to skirt the difficult. And in my opinion, there's no point in doing that because it lives there anyway. You might as well go into it and not around it. And it deepens your relationships. You know, there's people who live more, I think, on the surface of things, and they might seem like they're happy. Do you find joy in the difficult in other aspects of your life? I do. I mean, I don't want to be in the difficult all the time, not even the majority of the time. But when it comes up, I don't run away from it. You know, we all have a dark side to our personality. Everybody does a shadow side to their personality. And I think we have to give it voice. You know, anger, sadness, rage, jealousy, envy, joy, all the good stuff, all the bad stuff. It's a whole package. A lot of people are not comfortable sharing the darker feelings. It's human expression. It's real. It lives there. And it's okay. It doesn't mean if somebody gets angry, they're not a happy person. It just means that they're feeling their feelings. And I think that that's our purpose, really, in life, to experience and feel everything. We are excited to announce another partner for this week's episode, Nut Pods. We are obsessed with adding this into our coffee and tea. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Nut Pods, it's a certified vegan, dairy-free creamer made from coconut cream and almond butter, and it is delicious. Nut Pods has made our transition to a plant-based lifestyle so much easier. It's perfect for coffee, tea, smoothies, and other recipes. As a special offer for Happy Hunters listeners, they're offering 15% off their website. Just use the code ICONOCLASTICWELLNESS, all caps, at checkout. That's ICONOCLASTICWELLNESS on nutpods.com to get 15% off your entire order. You said that your close relationships are not in addition to other things, but rather singularly essential to your well-being. What are your relationships providing? How do you nurture these? I'm so grateful. I have so many friends, and my friends mean everything to me. My friends have been with me through every major life experience. I've had a few. And I don't know what I would do without a group of friends, in particular my women friends. They have held me up. They've laughed with me. They've cried with me. They've been there when my daughter was born. 
say, been there when my daughter was in a car accident. They are everything to me. Sometimes I feel like they've saved me. What I do now is to nurture those relationships. I, we just spend time together. We just hang out. My friends from East Lansing have moved away, but I make a point to always being connected to them, staying connected to them. We have experiences together. We go for hikes. We travel. have the highest regard for each other and know that we will be there for each other through it all. You believe that no one is just happy. You think one has to go through a lot in life, dig deep, as you said, have a multitude of experiences, relationships, some wonderful, some mediocre, some painful, some excruciating, and then come out the other side. It is a constant going into the abyss and coming out again. How do you survive the abyss and get back to happy? Well, you know, life kind of pitches you some things that you can't control, right? And some things are very difficult. My Hannah's car accident was something uncontrollable, excruciatingly difficult. And I needed my tribe to help me through that. Here's another thing. Sometimes the greatest things happen out of the hardest things, believe it or not. Also, when Hannah was born 16 weeks premature and she weighed one pound, 11 ounces, her father came out of the delivery room yelling, We've got a baby. We've got a daughter. He was so ecstatic at that moment. The next moment, obviously, we realized that she was fighting for her life. But in that moment, there was pure joy that she was mm. born. And my friends were staying right in the hallway, right outside. And those kinds of things you go through, but you have your people with you. You go down into it, and then you come out of it again. Here's another thing that happened there. Every single person that I encountered in the hospital whether it was the doctors, the nurses, or the orderlies, all knew Hannah by name. And they would tell me that they would go to their prayer circles and they would pray for her. So there was a community of people who stood behind us and helped us through that. And that's what helps you get out of the abyss, in my opinion, is having your tribe with you and opening yourself up to other people who want to offer you love. So while you're in this pain and hurt, how do you not lose sight of this outpour and flowing of love from other people? That's a good question because I'm just, I think, an open person. There were a couple of days, I have to say, the first three days after Hannah was born, that I was basically rocking in a rocking chair and not doing much else. I was pretty withdrawn and pretty upset. But soon after, I just let the love in. And people were doing so many extraordinary things, bringing her flowers. I have a friend who would come to the neonatal intensive care unit and pray over her, Jewish prayers. And I had another friend who hung crystals around her incubator. And I had another friend who brought little little stuffed animals, a little toy gorilla so she would be strong and a little mm. stuffed flamingo so she would have a sense of humor. Just wonderful things, mm -hmm. amazing, wonderful things. It's hard not to pay attention to those things. You describe happiness as drinking in the wonderment of nature, physical comfort from someone you love, spontaneous laughter, and that these thoughts, feelings, and actions in harmony with one another leads to a deeper sense of self-esteem and therefore happiness. How does someone acknowledge or drink in these feelings? I think you have to pay attention to your inner voice and so many people don't do that. So many people are programmed. A mother or a father tells a kid to become a lawyer or a dentist or a doctor. 
from the time they're eight years old and they just follow somebody else's voice and not their own. And then they find themselves in these careers at these jobs that just don't fit for them. So I think it's really important to develop that inner voice so they can pay attention to who they are and what they need and what they feel. For me, nature is very important. It would be very difficult for me to live in an urban setting at this time of my life. Earlier in my life, probably would have been fine, but not now. If I were to put myself in an urban setting, I would not be happy. I wouldn't be able to get to a green space. I wouldn't be able to sit in my garden. I think it's just so important to know who you are. And it, you know, it takes some years. I mean, I'm at a different end that, than you are or than maybe most of your audience is. You just have to pay attention. And I do think the definition of happiness is when your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions are congruent, are in harmony with one another. If you're thinking one thing and you're doing another, if you're thinking, boy, I'd like to um, move up north and grow an organic garden, but you're a teacher in a school in an urban area, you're not going to be particularly happy. You have to really think about your, your intention and think about what you want and what makes you happy. Pay attention to it and then try to put it into action. You say that a deeper sense of self-esteem leads to happy. How did you build that deeper sense of self-esteem? I think just going through life and trusting yourself is the key. Even when you know, you're having a hard time or you're in, a, in some of those feelings that people don't like to be in. You just have to trust that it's real and that it's okay and have a conversation with yourself. Sometimes I tell people to look in the mirror, literally, and have a conversation with themselves and challenge themselves a little bit, especially with social media. Everybody's comparing each other to everybody else, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, yeah. and so nobody puts their worst side on social media. They only put their best. <laughs> right. And sometimes people think that the best is, is their life all the time. It's just not that way. You just have to trust that what you think, what you want for yourself is right for you. It's not an easy task, really, because you're getting a lot of information otherwise, either from parents or from society or from social media or from whatever. There's a lot of stuff bombarding you. You think you ought to be this or you should be that. But really what you ought to be is exactly who you are. And what you should do is exactly what you want to do. And I think that lends to an increased sense of self, an increased sense of esteem for oneself. With all the experience you have gained in healing as a therapist for over 43 years, you told us that it all boils down to love. What do you mean by that? I think people need to feel heard and they need to feel accepted. I don't think they need a lot of advice because people pretty much, especially when they're being heard and accepted, can come up with their own ideas of what they need to do, want to do with their life. What they need is a safe space to explore all that. My friendships or the work that I do, I think that that's what it is. It's like feeling unconditionally accepted by the people in your life that matter to you and feeling like their arms are wrapped around you and they want to hear what you have to say. They want to really hear you. I think that that's love. That's love. I have gone through lots of workshops and went through graduate school, had lots of techniques. But really, when I think about it, when I can love and accept somebody, that heals them. And it heals me, too, because I'm a part of the process with them. I'm with them on their journey. Therapists need healing also. So I, I get healed <laughs> as they get healed. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a wonderful, really wonderful experience. All right. We are moving on to the silly but equally important <laughs> questions. 
Okay. All right. Jello or pudding? <laughs> uh, pudding. Oh, chocolate or vanilla? I think I like vanilla. Ooh. Believe it or not, vanilla pudding. I would ne- one would never think that about. No, me. chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who is your favorite beetle? Well, I was going to say Paul because I had a crush on him at the oh, time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I would say now it would be John Lennon because he was such a visionary. Yeah. And so such an incredible human that we lost way too soon. Yeah, I would agree. Yep. yep. Would you rather cry every time you heard a song you liked or laugh hysterically every time you are upset? <laughs> oh, let's see. No, I don't think I would laugh when I'm upset. I'd probably cry then. And I would I would like to cry when I heard a song. M- music moves me mm. and sometimes to tears. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think music helps you express your feelings in the deepest of ways. So. Yeah, I'd yes. rather cry than hearing a song. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share about happiness? Just get out there and do it. You know, one foot in front of the other. Just and listen to your voice and say, does this feel right? Is, is this good for me? And do it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Your willingness to go into the abyss and work on coming out the other side is remarkable. And your passion for giving and showing love is felt. That's Thank really you. nice. Barbara has lived her life by trusting and believing in herself. She listens to her inner voice, but also allows her friends and family to lift and support her. Are you doing one thing, but daydreaming about doing something different? Are your thoughts, feelings, and actions in harmony with one another? What small action can you do to start listening to yourself better? What can you do today to show love and support to someone in darkness? Head over to Happy Hunters Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook to share your thoughts, experiences, connect with others, inspire, and empower. We appreciate you tuning in and hope you got as much out of this episode as we did. We are a brand new podcast and could use your help so others can find the show. Please subscribe, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. Tune in for new episodes every single Tuesday. Find us on Instagram at Molly and Jonathan and follow our RV adventures on YouTube at Our Tiny Mess. If you know a happy someone who we should interview, head to iconoclasticwellness.com slash happy hunters to nominate them or yourself. You can also support this show by supporting our sponsors. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.